Over the last couple of years, we've sought to regularly gather for family worship, or you might call it family devotion, and we do that right before the boys go to bed. During this season, we have a little wooden wreath that has 24 holes in it, little candle slots, and each night we move the candle to the next slot, and the boys can count. Well, specifically Will, he will say, we have eight more days, you know, seven more days, and we're moving that along. And we light the candle each night, and then Anna has chosen some devotion that we would use, and she will, um, we will use that throughout that time, and we'll have a time of reading and praying and singing every night uh, through this season. We also will sing songs, of course, like traditional hymns, and those uh, songs that we use, it depends. Sometimes we've done a variety of songs because we're wanting the kids to learn them, Um, and this year, the family favorite just kind of happened was Hark the Herald Angels Sing, constantly asking for that song, and so we will sing it together. Following one of those times together, and I may have shared this with some of you, uh, I always go to the boys' room and like we'll spend time with them, and usually I'm going to tell them some kind of story. And uh, on this particular night, it was Will's turn for me to go into his room first. So I went into his room first, and we began to sit there, and he had been humming still that song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. When I get there and and we're talking just for a minute, he says, Dad, tonight I want you to tell me something. What does angelic host proclaim mean? So I was like, okay, we'll start. Angelic host proclaim. It was almost like a sermon. But I mean, I just kind of unpacked that a bit for him. And um, I, I don't know, but he then he asked me a couple of other questions. And I wondered, is he stalling? You know, because he doesn't want to go to bed. I'm not sure, but I used it as an opportunity, and we went through a verse um, together. Now, it made me stop and kind of think, and actually I texted with um, Jacob Duke and sent him kind of some of the thoughts about that, but we, we were talking about just how we, you know, train our boys, try to teach them and that kind of thing. But I thought, you know, I could have left that moment and said, that Hark the Herald Angels Sing, you know, that song, it's above their heads. Not going to sing that anymore. He doesn't even know what he's singing, for crying out loud. Um, I could have said, like, the 1700s called, and they wanted their hymn back, right? Another option would be, I'm going to write my own Christmas songs, And I'm going to make them so simple that a five-year-old will always know what is going on in that song. I don't think that's the best option overall. I do think we do write current songs with current language that have certainly really robust truths in them. And that's something we should be encouraged to do. While at the same time... I think that we need to be able to say there are times in the life of our children that we are going to give them content 
that they do not understand. And it's going to be put to a song. And they are going to memorize it. And they may not fully understand it, but for the longevity of their life, they will be able to go back and go back and go back. And they will be able to think upon those things. I thought of it like them, they're sponges. And, you know, I don't know, when I was a kid, I, 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 there was a, was it brawny? Is that the kind of paper towel that they would talk about, you know? And it could like soak up more, you know, it was, I think the way that I, I looked it up and it was like, it can take on the tough spills, you know? Well, as I'm spilling out things before them, their minds at this season and this age can take on the tough spills. They can digest a lot of information or, for that matter, just memorize a lot of information. And it made me think that we want to give our children and those around us a well-balanced diet, something that is nutritional, something that will build like and grow deep roots so that over time, when those things begin to make sense, they have a lifetime of stuff to go back to. And it made me think a lot about that this week as we were doing that. And so, as or this last couple of weeks, as we began to sing that song over and over and over again, there's a great doctrine in that song. It's the doctrine of reconciliation. And so... Today I want to talk about that for a few, few moments, and we'll look at the three stanzas that we typically sing together when we would sing that song. And so I want you to look at the first, or just listen to the first one, and then I'll let you look at a few passages with me. It says, Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies with the angelic host proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. The this, this song really starts out and says, listen up. Listen up. And in Luke 2, we know that story about the angels coming with an announcement. They bring an announcement giving glory to God, pointing people um, to listen and to hear and to respond. They are honoring this baby in a manger. And they're honoring this baby because he is going to bring peace. Luke 2.14 says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth among those with whom he is pleased. There was hostility. There was animosity. There was a break in fellowship between God and his people. Hopelessness at the end of the Old Testament reigned. There was a period of darkness, 400 years of silence, but there was still a promise, and the promise many were waiting for. This peace that He promised is showing up in this baby that is born in Bethlehem. He is going to take those who were alienated from one another and unite them. He is going to Bring them together. And so when the angel said, Fear not, I bring good news of great joy. It is a news of this joy that's going to be found through being reconciled back to God. 
Now you might say again, who is at odds with one another? What is going on here? When we're dealing with that, the need here, we're saying that God and His people are in a relationship that needs to be restored. Romans 5.10 says, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. It's, it's a, a glorious truth there that we can be at peace with God. The most frightening thing in all the world is that you would be in a relationship with God as His enemy. That is the most frightening thing you could ever hear. But to also hear that you can be reconciled to Him through His Son is the most glorious truth that you will ever know. You know, it also kind of in this text, and I think it's important just to highlight, is when we're thinking about the, the story of, of the angels, and you think about Luke, and you think about this hope, and you think about the joy that comes, the scope of this reconciliation is not, it's not just what some people might say, well, God's chosen people are the Jews. He's going to bring out, this is something, this is a hope to the nations, That's what the angels will do. They will help you see that it's something for all the nations to hear, to understand, to grasp, to to wonder in, and to glory in. Revelation 5, 9-11 says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our gods, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. They're praising Him for what He's done. And so those who have been set set away from God, those who were under God's wrath, those who were enemies of God are now reconciled to God. And the scope of that is of reconciliation here is that the nations will hear and be glad. The nations will treasure. The nations will join in praise and honor and, and glorifying our God. Ephesians 2.17 says, And He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. It's a way of saying the whole world, both Jew and Gentile, reconciled to God. And so the nations are hearing this in praise. And so the emphasis, I think, in, in the first part of that song is that the nations will hear and rejoice. Second stanza of that song. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold Him come, offspring offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. This kind of leads you to say, what is the means to this reconciliation? How can I be brought to Him? Galatians 4.4 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. It was not just any woman, a virgin woman. And we know this virgin's name was Mary. She, was con- she conceived by the Holy Spirit. And a son would be brought forth. He would be our perfect representative. 
John 1.14 says, And the Word, this eternal Word, the eternal Son of God became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He walked. Certainly, when you would see Him, and people did see Him, they would just think He was a man. He's clothed in, in, in humanity, but He's God. And He is accomplishing for us what we could never accomplish for ourselves. His ministry demonstrated that it was God with us over and over and over again. These signs of curse reversing that was taking place. You see that disease and disorder and death. He is overthrowing the powers that have dominated us. He is He's demonstrating that. And then the fullness of that scene, when He goes to the cross, He endured the wrath of God for us so that we might be reconciled to Him. God did not look past our sin as if it did not exist. It had to be punished. And God, in His infinite love, so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. This is a glorious truth that we have. So not only do we say the scope of it is it's for the whole world. I mean, it's it is going the nations are called to glory in that, to rejoice in that. But then you say, well, what's the means of this reconciliation? How is it going to be accomplished? It's going to be accomplished through the son who would live this perfect life, walk down the road that, that we have walked down, but in perfect way, he was perfectly obedient. And then he went to the cross, enduring the wrath of God for us so that we could be made right with him, so that we could be sons of God. Second Corinthians 5.19 says, That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making us his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So you see that it's a wonderful thing. The scope of that is all the nations from every tribe, tongue, and nation to come and to believe and to trust in this one who has been born for us to save us he is the means by which we can be made right with God instead of running away in fear we can move forward by faith trusting him running to him now one other thing to just think about that in second Corinthians 5 it says we are ambassadors that's that's one of our roles here is that we gather and we equip ourselves and we encourage one another to to not only receive this message of reconciliation, but to share it. We're to take it out into the world. It is something that we are to herald. As the angels herald that message, so we are heralds of God to go out into the world with that message. He sends us out. He commissions us with that responsibility to proclaim to everyone, be reconciled to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So what are the results? You might say, if you were to sit down and think, hmm, what are the results of this reconciliation? How does that change things? How does this impact us? The third stanza goes like this. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. 
Mild he lays his glory by, born that we no more may die, born to raise us from the earth, born to give us second birth. He is, in Isaiah, called the Prince of Peace. He is the one who ushered that in for us. He is the light of the world. Jesus said of himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. They will experience eternal life. His victory becomes their victory. Their hope is grounded in what he has done. Those who were in darkness saw this great light and they rejoiced. Malachi speaks of him as the son of righteousness and healing comes from him. Causes, like it speaks of the, the calves leaping out of the stall with joy as they experience the wonder of this salvation. Jesus made the lame walk and the blind to see. But this was simply an illustration of a heavenly reality as God brings dead men to life and blind men with given spiritual sight and the deaf spiritually are able to hear all of those wonderful things on display. Jesus did this and He did it in the most remarkable way as a servant. He emptied Himself, became obedient to the point of the death, even death on a cross. So what did this give us? What benefits do we have from this reconciliation that is promised here? Jesus not only suffered to the point of death, but He was raised victorious. Philippians 2, 9-11 says, Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of the Father. But that doesn't leave us saying, well, that's great. Jesus was raised. Man, that's great. He was raised. Jesus was the light. No, we're receivers. We receive that. And not only that, like His death and what He accomplished there, we receive the benefits of that. But we also receive the benefits of His resurrection. This gives us both promise for the present and future. Philippians 3.20 and 21 says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to to a glorious body like His by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. We look forward to that. We await that. We're longing for the day when our bodies will be transformed. We're longing for the day for these spiritual realities to come to fruition. We are looking forward to the second advent. We're we're awaiting that day where all things will be made right and we'll be restored and made new. But we even now experience that resurrection power. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Just for a minute, think about that. He has caused us to be born again. He has caused us to be born again. He has taken those who were separated and alienated and without hope, and He has brought 
life to them. They were dead in their sins and the Gospel comes and the Spirit empowering that message that comes to us awakens us. And some of you here have been awakened. You understand what it was like to be in a state of blindness and dead spiritually and you've been brought to life. Some may not know that today. But by the power of God, we are praying that He would work that in you. And I just want to encourage you to understand the benefits of what Jesus did or seen in the life of one who was dead in their sins and brought to life. And some of you right now, you could stop and say, hey, tell me that story. Some of you may not know all of that in your own mind. You might say, you know, I was younger. I understand some things. I don't. Some of you are older. And you just remember that one day, by the power of God, you who were dead in your sins were brought to life. You saw your sin for what it was. You turned in repentance and faith. And you, you were set free to love and, and, and enjoy God like you'd never known before. You, you could then sing these songs with joy in your heart, overflowing as you sense the wonder of His work. So we look at it and we say, what's the scope of this reconciliation? It's for the whole world. Christ called His church to go out and preach the Gospel to the whole world. Well, what's that message? The message is there was one who came, the God-man, the eternal Son of God, left heaven and came down to earth and He accomplished for us by His incarnation a salvation that reconciled us to God. And then you say, well, what are the benefits? The benefits are both present and future. In the present, the new birth at work in us, the life of God transforming us. In the future, a longing for a day when all things (coughs) will be made right. (coughs) And we too will be renewed to, to perfection. He will make us new. When we see Him, we'll be like Him. So, that night that William asked me those questions, I went in afterwards and went to Ben. Ben said, like they usually do, back and forth, what did you tell Will about? I said, I told him a little bit about that song. What song? Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Explained him a little bit more. He said, oh, okay. And he said, why don't you tell me a monster story? <laughs> I said, of course. Let me give you one now. Then as I went into the living room, I heard Will singing himself to sleep. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all you nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim. Christ is born in Bethlehem. I thought, Lord, thank you. I need to see again the reconciliation that has come. The hope we have. 
needed to be reminded of the baby in the manger who would grow into a man. The God-man who had come. I needed to see Him again. I needed to be reminded that I'd been reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Not only that, I need to be reminded that we, as His people, have a ministry. The ministry of reconciliation. We are to proclaim it. Because He brought light to darkness, life to death, and restoration to brokenness. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We ask that by the power of Your Spirit that You would bring those who have no hope into a state of hope. Those who are in darkness, we ask You would bring light. Those who are deaf, they would be able to hear and blind that they would be able to see. We pray, Lord, that we would understand that we have been given a gift, not something to place on a wall, not a certificate, not a trophy, but a gift to be shared. We pray that we would share it with our children. We pray that we would share it with our neighbors. We pray that we would participate in sharing it throughout this whole earth. We know it is the hope. Let our hearts be filled with joy in light of it. In Christ's name, amen.